This is the IBJ podcast for the week of January 1, 2024, brought to you by Taft. Our regular host, Mason King, is out this week, but managing editor Greg Weaver will be sitting in and talking with two Statehouse reporters about the upcoming legislative session. Thanks for joining us. I'm Greg Weaver, IBJ's managing editor, setting in for your regular host, Mason King. And today I have some guests with me who are going to help provide a preview of what to expect in the upcoming session of the Indiana General Assembly, which kicks off January V8. First, I want to welcome Caitlin Lang, Senior Investigative Reporter at State Affairs. Thanks for having me. Yes, and then also with us is our in-house legislative expert, Peter Blanchard, IBJ State House and Economic Development Reporter. Thanks, Greg, good to be here. So let's dig right in. So, you know, for the 2024 legislative session, it's being advertised as tamer than the last few years. And uh, House Speaker Todd Houston has said that he'll take a more measured approach to what the legislature will consider this year. And realistically, I'm just trying to figure out what that will mean. Caitlin, what do you think that will mean for uh, for whatever might happen in 2024? Yeah, so because it is a short legislative session, obviously lawmakers have to be out of there by mid-March. But I assume they're going to try to end earlier than that. It seems like there will be fewer bills filed this year. I know that the legislators were held to a standard of how many bills they could file. And even uh, Houston said that he wouldn't have 10 priority bills this legislative session, which is a bit unusual to not have 10 of those bills. So I do think that it will be a shorter session. I don't think there's a lot of issues that have popped up so far that will cause a lot of controversy. Now, of course, that could change easily at any moment. Uh, But you got to think that the last short legislative session we had was in 2022, and we were dealing with a lot of fallout from COVID-19. And so I think that was sort of an unusual year when it comes to a short legislative session. So I do expect this to be pretty quick, not too controversial, but again, there's always an issue that pops up. Right. And I mean, in the last session, we, uh, you know, the legislature dealt with abortion and uh, the near total abortion ban. And then also there was discussions about, you know, banning certain books and things of that nature, things that did stir a lot of controversy. Uh, Peter, do you see anything like that happening again this year? Yeah, it's really hard to say. You know, I, I think, uh, Republican leadership, uh, Senate leader Rod Bray, uh, House Speaker Todd Houston, uh, some of the committee chairs, I think they, they go into this, they're going into this session, you know, with every intention of, of trying to avoid certain polarizing contentious issues that have come up in the past few sessions. But that's not to say there won't be any controversial issues. I, I think, you know, leadership sets the agenda. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, some lawmakers won't take up certain causes uh, that that are seen as polarizing. Uh, we've gotten sort of a first look at some of the uh, the bills that have come through. Nothing in there really strikes me all that much. You know, last session, there was a lot of bills dealing with, you know, transgender care, regulating what gets taught in classrooms and what books belong on the shelves. These are very controversial issues, uh, you know, around the country, around the world. So we kind of knew that was coming. Uh, in this case, looking at the bills, I don't see anything quite like that. But as Caitlin said, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be some surprises coming up. But I do think 
leadership is genuine when they say that they're trying to keep this, as you said, Greg, a, a tamer session. Yeah, well, I mean, one issue that we know that uh, will almost definitely come up is uh, trying to establish some sort of an apprenticeship program, largely influenced by the Indy Chambers Leadership Exchange Program's recent trip to Switzerland to learn more about that nation's successful approach. And it, it would seem like it would build off a program that the legislature established last session that allows high school students to receive up to $5,000 in state funding to kind of you know shop around for work-based learning experiences. Peter, how do you see that coming together in this session? Yeah, well, I think first it's important to mention, you know, you talked about that, that trip to Switzerland, um, but this effort really started during last year's uh, session or the 2023 session when there was a uh, legislation called House Bill 1002 that passed. Uh, this was kind of sweeping uh, work-based learning legislation, uh, which does a couple of things. One, it allows students to uh, receive up to $5,000 in state funding to, uh, to quote-unquote, shop for, for work-based learning experiences and apprenticeships um, that can help them earn, you know, a post-secondary credential uh, before graduation, not necessarily a two- or four-year degree, but some sort of credential or certification that can help them, uh, you know, get a job after they graduate high school. Uh, you know, another thing this legislation did was require the State Board of Education to establish uh, high school diploma standards, again, with the intention of allowing students to use work-based learning experiences toward their graduation requirements. Uh, so offering more alternative pathways for, for students to, to get degrees. Uh, you know, public high schools are also going to have to uh, hold a career fair once a year. So that kind of sets the stage for this upcoming session. And then, as you mentioned, legislative leaders, business leaders went on this trip to Switzerland to try and learn from their apprenticeship program, which uh, by all accounts is uh, one of the best in the world um, in terms of preparing their students for uh, for jobs after graduation. I'm not really sure what we're going to see coming up in this session with that. You know, Republican leadership has said that there might be some tweaks or, or fine-tuning to this legislation. We, we're not really sure what that might mean, but what it could mean is, you know, there was a lot of concern in the last session about uh, these intermediary organizations that would kind of act as the bridge between student and employer. Uh, and this could be, you know, a trade association, right? Um, and these are groups that aren't necessarily, you know, controlled or regulated by the state. And so there's, you know, concern from some lawmakers that um, there's not going to be a ton of oversight in this program. So as it stands now, so maybe we'll see some uh, some proposals there to offer more uh, oversight, um, you know, to make sure that uh, that students are really getting, um, you know, the right experiences and making sure that they, you know, do count towards their uh, graduation requirements. No, thanks. Well, uh, Caitlin, what are you hearing about uh, these apprenticeship programs or any other education issue that might come up um, this session? Yeah, with the apprenticeship programs, uh, Senator Roth, the chair of the Senate Education Committee, had emphasized that this is really only tweaks that can be expected this year. Again, who knows what tweaks means? Um, but I do think that he is probably being pretty genuine about that because we haven't seen some of the parts of House Bill 1002 go into effect yet. So I think lawmakers probably want to give it some time to actually see what the bill does. 
Uh, I think this might be more of a long-term goal, getting us more in step with the Switzerland model that the Indy Chamber is trying to push. Uh, I know Senator Walker talked about this on one of the panels that was at the Denton's Legislative Conference earlier this month, and he mentioned that it's very much a cultural thing with Switzerland in terms of this focus on apprenticeship programs. Uh, so I just... I think some of that's going to take a lot longer to build here in Indiana. So again, mostly tweaks this year is what I expect, but I'm sure that we'll see more on this in the future years. Yeah. Well, another education issue that has received considerable attention uh, ahead of this legislative session is, um, is literacy and particularly uh, kind of the deteriorating reading skills of Hoosier third graders uh, and the strong desire uh, expressed by legislators to try to do something about that. Um, kind of what do you see happening in that regard, Caitlin? Yeah, this is where I expect to see a lot of action this legislative session on this. Um, you know, legislative leaders and Holcomb have already said they want to look into limiting which third graders can advance to fourth grade if they fail the I-read test. Right now, nearly one in five third graders failed the test last year, and uh, I believe 97% of those students still moved on to the fourth grade. So the question lawmakers have to answer here is, you know, should that be happening? Should there be more stringent requirements to hold back more students? Uh, and the policy used to be different. You think back to 2012 when Republican Tony Bennett was superintendent. You know, unless kids got a good cause exemption, they were typically held back if they failed I-read. So, so I, I'm really interested to see what they end up doing with this one because it is a policy that could cause a lot of concern among parents, among schools. Um, you know, there's obviously concerns about do we know what the long-term impact is on such a young age holding those types of students back? Uh, because there's not a lot of studies that look at the long-term impacts. A lot of it's short-term, the impacts of that. And then obviously there's the fiscal consideration of, you know, the state would have to pay for another year of schooling if if those students were, you know, required more often to be held back. So I think that's sort of the big topic of the session is, okay, how do you rein in those requirements so they're not overly burdensome, but, you know, you find that that happy medium there. So, and a lot of this, the discussion so far has revolved around holding students back. Are there any approaches that you guys have heard discussed that would address making sure that the third graders can read at the appropriate level when they reach that, uh, that threshold? Because um, like you were saying, Caitlin, I mean, hold, just holding a bunch of students back would seem to cause uh, a lot of complications for schools and the expansion of third grade classrooms and and all of that sort of thing. Have you heard of any other approaches that might be tried? Uh, well, I know that, you know, one proposal from, from Democrats, uh, including Senator Greg Taylor, the, the Senate minority leader, um, you know, and he's, he's proposed this for years. He wants to uh, move the mandatory uh, school age uh, from seven years old to, to five years old. Currently, uh, students in Indiana uh, or, or uh, children in Indiana don't have to go to school until uh, age seven. Um, and so Senator Taylor has been a big proponent of trying to get students into school earlier. Um, I think, you know, 
some Republican leaders are maybe maybe hesitant to change that. We haven't heard a lot of appetite for that uh, on the Republican side. Um, you know, and another idea is is trying to expand pre-K. Uh, you know, we've seen some expansion of the state's pre-kindergarten programs, um, but there's certainly you know more room in that area. Uh, the state doesn't have a universal pre-K program like like other states have. So um, you know, getting students uh, or, or getting Hoosier children into school earlier uh, is one you know solution I've heard of. I think we're going to hear some other interesting ideas uh, in in this upcoming session. You know, one thing uh, the legislature did last session was requiring school districts to. Uh, adopt a curriculum that aligns with the science of reading, uh, kind of getting back to the traditional way students have learned to read, which is, you know, sounding out words um, rather than this kind of newer approach that you've seen, which is, you know, learning to read by, you know, associating, uh, you know, objects with or or things with different words. And so we're kind of getting back to that phonics approach that uh, really has been the more traditional method of reading. So um, I think you'll, you'll, you'll see, you'll, you'll hear a lot more to that and of that in this upcoming session. Yeah, it'd be really I've interesting. Heard, to see. Um, oh, go, go ahead, Caitlin. I, I've heard some discussion too about, uh, or some ideas thrown around there about requiring second graders to take the iRead test. I, I believe it's just an option right now. Um, but you know, requiring students to take it another year early. So they'd still take it in third grade, but also second grade just to give them more practice with it. Um, I've, I've heard options about requiring summer school. Um, so I think there are a lot of options out there. I know Senator Rocks also mentioned that he wants to start tracking better the students that do move on to fourth grade who can't read, you know, what grade level are they actually reading at? Where are these kids? That sort of thing. So I think there are a lot of proposals out there, but again, it'll be interesting to see which ones the Republicans pick up on. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. Welcome back to the IBJ podcast. We'll rejoin IBJ Managing Editor Greg Weaver, who is talking with reporters Peter Blanchard and Caitlin Lang about the upcoming legislative session. Another issue that's received considerable media attention over the last several months is uh, this consideration of uh, building a pipeline that could pump millions of gallons of water a day from Lafayette 30 miles away to this 10,000 acre uh, LEAP research park that the state is assembling in Boone County. And a lot of Lafayette residents have um, expressed concerns about how this might affect their local water supply. But so far, it kind of seems unclear as to what the legislature might do in terms of addressing this. What do you guys think are the chances that the legislature will actually do address this in some way? And what kind of legislation might we see? So, uh, you know, first off, uh, in recent news, Governor Holcomb 
Uh, Senate Leader Rod Bray, House Speaker Todd Houston, uh, took a trip uh, to the Lafayette region to, um, you know, meet with stakeholders there, including the Graf, uh, Greater Lafayette Chamber of Commerce, uh, some state lawmakers from that region and local elected officials. Uh, and the, the big takeaway from that meeting was was a promise, uh, you know, from the governor and the legislative leaders that they weren't going to make any decisions on whether or not to build this pipeline until uh, the Indiana Finance Authority completes its study of uh, the central Indiana's uh, water needs and just determining whether or not this is feasible. Um, you know, Governor Holcomb recently shifted oversight of the water study away from the Indiana Economic Development Corporation to the Indiana Finance Authority, I think in part to uh, sort of tamper down some of the, the fears of folks from that region uh, who, who are worried about uh, their water supply. Uh, so we're not expecting any major decisions on a pipeline. That being said, there is uh, legislation. We're, we're expecting to see legislation. It hasn't been filed yet, uh, but uh, two lawmakers from the Lafayette region, Representative Sharon Nagel and Senator uh, Spencer Deary, um, are both uh, drafting legislation that would uh, try to regulate large groundwater withdrawals because Currently, there's really no laws or regulations around uh, how much water can be pumped out of the ground, uh, how far it can be transported. And so uh, they're, you know, drafting legislation that would, um, you know, create sort of a, a regulated permitting process through the Department of Natural Resources. Um, and they're also talking about, you know, being able to do real-time tracking of large water withdrawals. Uh, so that the public could be able to see in real time the impacts of these large water withdrawals from uh, the state's aquifers. Uh, now, it's unclear at this point whether that legislation is going to go anywhere. Uh, Senator Bray, during a, a recent legislative preview event uh, with the Indiana Chamber, um, you know, he didn't totally shut the idea down, um, but he said it kind of depends on what's in the legislation. So uh, we're, we're going to be very, you know, focused on that and, and seeing if that legislation goes anywhere. Yeah, Caitlin, I mean, what do you see as the appetite among legislative leaders for anything that would slow down or inhibit uh, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation from uh, pursuing this? Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to say, like Peter said, but uh, I think the one thing that is interesting to think about is, you know, there's not a ton of lawmakers from the area of the state, and that is obviously the area of the state where the primary concern is, um, you know, especially not Republican lawmakers from that area of the state. So they have to be able to convince the legislative leaders and their colleagues that this is a worthwhile issue that other communities should care about. And historically, Republicans haven't been really critical of the IEDC. It's mostly been Democrats that have been critical. So I think it will be kind of hard to convince their colleagues to move on this issue. Uh, I do think Governor Holcomb and the legislative leaders' timing on this recent announcement was really smart and probably intentional, you know, just before the legislative session, you know, kind of throw water on the idea that there's any concerns about this pipeline. There's nothing moving this legislative or this, this next few months. So why do anything now kind of idea? So I think, I think we'll definitely hear it discussed, but I just am not convinced that there's enough Republican support for doing something this session, as opposed to waiting for the next legislative session. 
Yeah. Well, um, and I also just wanted to ask while we're all together, if there are any other issues out there that you two see popping up or um, that you'll be monitoring um, in the next few months. Yeah, one one issue that's been sort of a perennial topic, but but hasn't gotten a lot of momentum uh, is, you know, legislation to uh, allow undocumented immigrants to obtain driving privilege cards. Uh, this is a cause that uh, Senator Blake Dorio, Republican from Goshen, uh, and Senator David Nizgoski, a Democrat from South Bend, both from Northwest Indiana, um, you know, they have a pretty significant uh, Hispanic population in their uh, districts. And, you know, they've sort of said how they've recognized the need, uh, you know, to allow uh, immigrants living in Indiana to get legal permission to lawfully operate a motor vehicle. You know, these are these are people that are, uh, you know, doing jobs in Indiana, but, you know, are maybe driving around uh, illegally. Um, and so, you know, this legislation would allow them to receive a proper driver training and they could show proof of driving qualifications to say, you know, a police officer that pulled them over without having to uh, show lawful proof that they're living in the United States. Um, now, as you can imagine, given the uh, you know, heightened rhetoric around uh, the, the border crisis and the southern border. Um, you know, I find it a little hard to believe that Republicans are going to be, um, you know, open to this, especially given with an election year uh, coming up and all of the, uh, you know, the concerns about uh, border security. Um, you know, this measure does have some support from both political parties, but, um, and and the Indiana Chamber, which is, you know, arguably one of the most influential groups uh, in the state. Um, but, you know, what we've seen is, is that uh, there's been a lot of uh, hesitancy to to act on this issue. Um, but I, I do think we're going to see that pop up again uh, this upcoming session. So, and then, Caitlin, how about you? Anything else you see cropping up? Yeah, I think it will be a pretty big education year all around. Uh, there's been some discussion about addressing chronic absenteeism in schools. Again, I'm not sure how far lawmakers would even go with that this session, but it's definitely been a concern about the number of students who are missing uh, a large number of days in school. So that's one possibility. Another thing that lawmakers are still obviously concerned about is daycare access uh, you know, we have a shortage of providers in the state, especially for, you know, our young uh, infants. So I think that's still very much a concern. And the study committee on that topic issued a few recommendations that would, you know, try to fix that problem, such as allowing high school students to work at daycares if they're supervised. So I expect to see some minor things on that front. Again, it's not a budget year, so I don't expect, you know, they're not going to be paying for all of our daycares anytime soon, but I think that will come up. Um, some other ones, again, another education one, Senator Rotz mentioned that he wants to pass some bill surrounding cell phone usage in schools, sort of just creating a policy limiting that. Um, and then we might see some other issues pop up on Healthcare cost. Um, again, I don't expect anything major like we saw last year, but I think there might be some minor tweaks requiring more information to be provided on that front. All right. And as always, we can expect uh, some surprises from the legislature, things that pop up at the last minute that we don't anticipate. Um, so, well, uh, thank you, uh, Caitlin and Peter, for sharing your insights into uh, 
this uh, upcoming legislative session. Uh, and uh, we thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And we invite you to come back uh, next week when our regular host, Mason King, returns. Mm-hmm.